Well, good afternoon and welcome to Moments with Christ. I'm Leslie Green, your host, and we certainly hope that our podcast today will be helpful and beneficial to you. And may the Lord bless you with the message today. Well, today we're going to be looking at the third in a series concerning the kingdom of God. We're going to be looking at today the core meaning of the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom that Jesus taught before his death on the cross. And the gospel of Christ written by the apostles and inspired writings after his ascension. They are one and the same gospel. But the gospel of God is much broader in its scope. And the gospel of Christ is much more specific in the meaning of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which is the foundation for us to have faith in Christ to enter the kingdom. But we still don't know from just the gospel of Christ from the apostolic documents and the inspired writer's documents, we do not know either the nature or the reality of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached and proclaimed to Israel. And so we're going to look at what Jesus proclaimed as the gospel of the kingdom, and we're going to look at some of the writings in the uh, post-ascension of Christ by his inspired writers to fit the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ into the nature and the reality of the kingdom that Jesus spoke so we can spoke of so that we can have the entire picture of the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, and the truth about the gospel of the kingdom. That's what we plan to do, and so I'm hoping and I'm praying that we'll be able to get that done tonight, uh, today, in the next little while. So if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. Now the backdrop for Matthew 4.23 is that John the Baptist has been put into prison. And Jesus now goes throughout Galilee and he teaches in their synagogues and he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. It's really important for us to understand what Jesus is conveying and what the hearers of Jesus' proclamation heard. What Jesus intends for them to hear and how they interpret what he's saying in the filter of their preconceived idea of the kingdom and the coming Messiah, there is going to be a cross-purpose between what Jesus is proclaiming and what they're expecting. And that's going to be a major reason for the disconnect between the leaders of, uh, of Israel seeing Jesus as the Messiah and seeing the kingdom that he is proclaiming is going to be coming upon Israel 
there's a disconnect between the leaders and Christ, and it's because of this locked-in tradition of what they were expecting the Messiah to do and to be when he comes and the kingdom that he is going to set up. Now, in the previous two videos, we've talked a great deal about the mindset of the Jewish people in the expectation of the Messiah and his kingdom. And we saw in Peter, there was a tremendous disconnect between what Jesus just told him and what he conceived in his mind because of that tradition. Jesus says he's going to Jerusalem to suffer and to be crucified. And Peter took him aside and rebuked it, saying, no, 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 be it far from thee, this will never happen to you. That's because he was locked in into the traditional view of Messiah and the kingdom he was going to establish when he came. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. The, the mindset of the physical military genius of the Messiah coming and destroying the enemies of Israel, putting all the nations under his feet and ruling over the Roman Empire, in fact, even killing the emperor, the Messiah, in their view, that's what he was going to do. Jesus never came to do that, and he will never come to do that. And the kingdom that he came to establish was, was a kingdom that was entirely different than the material, physical kingdom that the Jews were expecting. And as a result, they rejected him as Messiah, crucified him, and that gave him and God the fulfillment of their plan so they could establish the kingdom so that sinful men, because of the destruction of evil on the cross, sinful men could be declared righteous by God enter the kingdom and live under the reign and rule of Christ in becoming more and more like him, transformed in their mind by the Spirit of God, conformed in their behavior by the power of God and their obedience of faith. That's the kingdom that the crucifixion of Jesus allowed to be set up. And the crucifixion of Jesus allowed God to pour his entire wrath upon his son, who God the Father declared as sinful and, and having all the sin of all humankind in all of human history on his shoulders, and God treated him like that sinner would be treated. He crushed him. But because he was not guilty of any of that sin, the Spirit of God three days later raised him from the dead, signifying that God had accepted the sacrifice of the lamb that was crucified on the cross. That sacrifice was adequate to satisfy all of God's wrath all of God's hatred for sin, all of God's penalty for sin, he was, is, and forever will be satisfied by that one act on the cross by his son.
And it is adequate for any man, woman, any adult that has participated in wickedness and evil and sin in their lives. Every man can see the work of the Messiah, understand the cross, and realize that the king in the kingdom that died on the cross is offering them invitation to be joined with him in the kingdom by his design and by his will. And when man applies the rebirth process and surrenders and consecrates himself to the king so the king can reign through him in his heart, mind, and soul, and the individual, because of faith in the king, can then surrender and allow the spirit to give him the power to obey what is necessary in obedience to become like Christ. Now, that is the gospel of the kingdom. Now, the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection is found in the book of Acts and all the way through Revelation. And, and the major import of everything written and recorded for us is the conflict between the Jews wanting a physical kingdom and a physical law and physical circumcision to be enacted on every non-Jewish person, and the king will ultimately destroy Rome. That concept is still in their minds. Paul is, is endeavoring to teach them the meaning of the cross in spirituality and the meaning of the resurrection in spirituality, and the purpose of the church in relationship to the reign of God and rule of God over the Jewish mind and the Gentile mind in one body of people. And so the gospel of Christ is a more honed-in, focused gospel upon the work of Christ, the meaning of the work of Christ, and the implications of how we're to respond to the work of Christ. The gospel of the, gospel of the kingdom shows us God's eternal plan and how God was going to do what he did so the gospel of Christ would have, ec <laughs> would have effectiveness. If God, the gospel of God did not occur in human history, then the effectiveness of the cross would not have been capable. And God would not be satisfied with any sacrifice that we offer. So, here is the purpose of our class tonight. I want us to notice one major point and we're going to set out to establish the propositional truth of this one point. And that point is this. The gospel of the kingdom is the news that it turns out to be good news that the enemies of God are going to be destroyed 
crushed and God's righteousness and justice is going to prevail in the world that's full of evil. Now, by me saying that and stopping, you probably have difficulty with that statement, but I'm going to clarify just a little bit more. God is going to conquer his enemy, and his enemy is anyone who is wicked, who has practiced evil, who has participated in sin and committed iniquity. Any person in God's creation that did any of those things is the enemy of God. And God is going to conquer the enemy that has done wickedness. And that means you and I, because we are adults and we make decisions by the free moral gift of choice that God gives us. We can choose any moment in time to please God or to please self. And when we set aside what pleases God and we do what we want to do and what we will please us instead, that is the ultimate reality of evil. Exactly what Eve did in the garden. Exactly what Saul did. Exactly what all the wicked men on earth did, including David. Every human adult in all of human history practiced evil because they did what they desired rather than what God desired many, 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 many times in their lifetime. And the gospel of the kingdom is that God is going to conquer and destroy the wicked, the evil, the sinful practitioner, and those who commit iniquity. God is going to conquer and crush them. How's he going to do that? He's going to do that by a plan that he established before he ever created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. He has the perfect, absolutely perfect, infallible, and loving, and justice, the, the, the perfect love of how to do that and the perfect justice on how to do that he has the plan completely worked out and and promised and prophesied and provided by the word of god so he is going to conquer evil either by pouring out the full wrath of his hatred for wickedness, sin, sinfulness, iniquity, and evil. He is going to pour his full wrath upon it and completely destroy it with a punishment that is suitable to the guiltiness of being evil. That is an eternal punishment. He is going to do that. He has done it many times with wicked men already dying 
and having to stand and face the full brunt of the wrath of God and his hatred for their wickedness. But the other side of that coin is this. The holy love of God poured out that wrath in full measure, completely, for every sin that any human in the history of humanity committed. Every sin that mankind, from Adam to the last man, ever commits in doing what they desire rather than what God desires, every sin is punished by the wrath and hatred of God for sin, for evil, for wickedness. And that wrath was poured out upon the, the Lamb of God that was crucified, and God looked at the Lamb and pronounced him guilty. He imputed on him all the sin of the world, yet he never did a single one. But he imputed it upon him, and then he poured out his wrath and hatred on his son and poured out the full weight of the punishment upon his son. Three days later, because the son had never committed a single sin, the Spirit of God raised him up and said the human body that was hung on the cross replacing the human bodies deserving the wrath of God, but now they get his righteousness and he supplied the satisfying sacrifice to the Almighty God that had to be satisfied in order for sinful man to be reconciled to him. That's the gospel of the kingdom. It involves the holy wrath and hatred of God for evil, and he, uh, he destroyed it. And it, it allowed the holy love of God to be merciful and declare sinful man righteous and allowed him to enter into a kingdom under the kingship of the son that died for every citizen in the kingdom so that they could be declared righteous and they would have opportunity to walk on a path with the son of God to life. So they're declared righteous and now their responsibility is to live up to it as they walk with Christ toward eternal life upon their physical death. Now, if you can understand and follow what I just described, then you have the big picture of the gospel of God as it pertains to the kingdom of Christ. You study Paul and Peter and, and the writers of Hebrews and all the, all the writers of the book of Acts and, and all. When you study theirs, you're getting an understanding of the meaning and the purpose and the result of his death on the cross and how it totally changes 
the mindset of how you respond to God and are made right before God. You're made right before God because of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Now you live up to the righteousness that God declared you by becoming like the Lamb of God that was crucified on the cross. And the more you become like him, the more faithful you're demonstrating to the king and to the world. The world can look at you and know that God, Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and it's demonstrated by the change of life and obedience that you walk in every day. So when we read Matthew 4.23 and we see Jesus proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, what did he do? What was he doing? Well, he was healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And his fame, because he was doing that, spread throughout all of Syria and they brought him all the sick those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. The power of the Messiah, the king that God planned to send and establish his kingdom, is demonstrating the power over evil, over calamity over things that hurt and harm people. And he's doing it by the power of the Spirit of God within him. Now, let's uh, take a moment and go look at uh, another passage. Let's go look at Luke chapter 11, verse 20, because here is where uh, Jesus teaches that by him casting out demons, the response the result, the intended consequence of him casting out demons is this. If I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, here's the plan of God. Here is the consequence God wants you to see. By me destroying wickedness and evil in a a person who's possessed by a demon, when I cast him out, you should recognize that the king who is coming to destroy evil has brought the kingdom with him and it has now come upon you. Now let's look at this just a little closer. The Jewish people's mindset was that <laughs> the Messiah was going to come and destroy their enemies, their national rivals, and the Roman Empire, and the Roman Emperor, and they would have a kingdom that's restored, likened unto David's kingdom, but far more majestic. It's a messianic kingdom, and we have a messianic king that rules the world, the nations, including Rome, with a rod of iron. And all these nations are under the feet of that Messiah and under the feet of the nation of Israel. And therefore, the peace that Israel wanted would come through this 
very violent and warring Messiah. That's what they were expecting. But what Jesus did was he cast out demons from the hearts and minds and bodies of human beings, demonstrating his power over evil and his power over disease and his power over human affliction and infirmities and his power over human death. He has that kind of power over the things that hurt, harm, and destroy human beings. If he had that kind of power and he wanted to go up against Rome with that kind of power, then all of his soldiers would be fed continually. All of his soldiers would have all the resources they need to conduct warfare. And if they're killed, he raises them from the dead and now they go again. And the Roman legions could not stand against that kind of king, that kind of Messiah. If he wanted to destroy Rome and all the physical nations of Israel, he had the power to do so because he could raise people from the dead and he could give them food from one or two fish and a few loaves of bread. He could keep his armies fully uh, you know, resourced. All the logistics are there. He, he could have done that. And that's what Israel wanted but that's not what he came to establish. He didn't come to defeat the enemies of Israel. He came to defeat the enemies of humanity. All of humanity. And I believe we can see that if we want to see that. Let's look at the writer of the book of Hebrews statement in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. I'm going to read it. And I want you to see if you can see the physical kingdom or if you can see the reality of the spiritual king warring against and winning victoriously over evil. Is he going to defeat the enemies of God's people, or is he going to defeat evil that wants to destroy God's people? Since, since therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing. God became flesh and blood. He, he felt everything every human being feels. He himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death, what death? The death of his human body. He became a human man, fully God, fully human, but he became a human being that through death, his death, where did he die? Where did he die? He died on the cross. Why did he do that? He, through death, he might, here's the purpose of the cross, he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is, the devil. The Hebrew writer tells us that Jesus, as a man, 
went to the cross and through the death on the cross came to destroy the power of the devil who has the power of death. Now, the death that he has power of is the death of tempting and testing and challenging us to go after our desires rather than the desires of God. And when we do that, we die. The power of the devil was the law of God. It is the power of sin that the devil used to cause all of mankind to sin against God. I mean, Paul tells us that if I didn't know that the law said thou shalt not covet, then then I wouldn't be ever coveted. But it said don't, and so that's what caused all kinds of manner of coveting in me. He violated the law of God because the devil used the law to tempt us to violate it. But Jesus came to die on the cross and that through his death on the cross, he would destroy the power of the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And the second part of that was to deliver them deliver all those who fear of death were subject to lifelong suffering. There is a destruction of evil and the devil, and there's the possibility of being delivered from the slavery of sin and the slavery to the devil's temptation. Twofold aspect. He came to destroy the devil and he came to redeem and rescue sinful man. And that was the reason he died on the cross. He did not die on the cross to defeat the enemies of Israel. He died on the cross to defeat the evil that captured you and subjected you to its slavery But he destroyed the devil and offered a kingdom of peace and righteousness that you can enter into, surrendering completely to the king, submitting yourself to whatever he wishes for you. And you long to do that because of what he's done for you and what he intends to do through you. You want to be a part of the continuing conquering of evil in your own life and in the life of those you love in the world. Hebrews 2.14 is a very significant, significant passage of Scripture. Let's go look at another passage. Romans chapter 16 and verse In verse 20, here Paul is bringing to a close the epistle to the Romans, which this epistle is the most magnificent thesis and teaching about the gospel of Christ and how it justifies us And it gives us the exact plan and design of God so that we can participate in Christ to receive 
the justification and the declaration of righteousness, and then we live a life of sanctification and dedication to the Christ who did all that Paul described he did for us in the book of Romans. Now, Jesus died on the cross, Hebrews 2.14, to destroy the devil and to offer deliverance for you and me. Paul is now saying in chapter 16, verse 20, the God of peace, where is there's peace? <laughs> Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. All the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount brings us into a kingdom of peace, not with the world, not with the people of the world that want to hurt us and destroy us because they're wicked, but peace with God. And having peace with God means that we participate as his beloved, as his loved children, and as his reconciled enemies. But Satan, according to Romans 16, verse 20, has yet to be crushed. He was crushed on the cross because that gave God the way in which to crush him and deliver us. But we have to walk in this life until we die physically. And when we die physically, then the reality of Satan being crushed becomes experienced by us. Now that's now in the 21st century. What Paul is saying is that entrance into the kingdom of God, the reign of Christ, after this physical body dies, is not fully completed until he crushes Satan's head under his feet when he comes in the sign of heaven to destroy those who crucified him and rejected him as Messiah. The nation of Israel was so wicked and so evil and so out of touch with God that when the Messiah came, they crushed him with crucifixion. And because of that evil and that wickedness, the remnant of Israel that come out of that bondage of the law of sin and death and became followers of Christ in the kingdom of God, those saints, some alive at the time of the destruction of Jerusalem, some passed on. But the reality that the enemy of God was crushed in the destruction of Satan on the cross and the destruction of Israel 
as being enemy of God in the destruction of Jerusalem. And thus, a new Jerusalem and a new heaven and a new earth and a new kingdom that will never be destroyed comes into being fully and completely. In promise and prospect at the cross, fully and completely at the destruction of the temple, that generation of time, that generation that Jesus spoke of in the Olivet Discourse, that generation when completed would complete ultimately and completely every aspect of the eternal plan of God. Now, if we understand that, then we need now to go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 and ask the question. I will put enmity between you, that is the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring, those that are influenced and held in bondage to the devil, and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. That word bruise means literally he will crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. The devil thinks by Christ being crushed on the cross by humanity that he wins. But that's the very power of God to crush him in the head. It's at the cross that that takes place. And we know that everyone that is brought into bondage to sin because of the influence of evil through the father of evil, the devil, we know this because Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, Paul tells us the truth of our relationship outside of the kingdom. We were enemies. We were outside of the kingdom, outside of Christ, outside of the kingdom being the church, outside of that entity, we were enemies. And God will crush and defeat and destroy his enemies. But while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. In other words, the ability for God to reconcile us to himself through his son is complete. It's done. It is a done deal. All we have to do is respond in faith concerning the gospel of Christ and the gospel of the kingdom. We have to die to self-sin in society. We have to be born of the mind and the spirit to totally change our way of life and our way of thinking and see things through the eyes of God, through the eyes of the spirit, through the eyes of Christ and have the mind of Christ. And when we have that, having entered the kingdom, then the reconciliation completes the process. We shall be, not yet, We shall be saved by his life. We were enemies. We are reconciled entering the kingdom. And the result of living a life in the kingdom of obedience and growth and sanctification and maturity in Christ 
to the end that we become like Christ and we stand in the fullness of the stature of Christ. We're a replica as humanly possible within us by the power of the Spirit. We are looking just like Christ on the day of our death. Our outward man is decaying. We're getting older and older and weaker and weaker, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. The inward man is going to have a body just like the king has in heaven. If we walk with Christ day by day and we're faithful to him day by day, our faithfulness to him allows him to be faithful to us. Now, allows is not really a good deal. He's going to be faithful to us because we're faithful to him. We're not being faithful to him in order to put him in debt or force him to do things for us that he doesn't intend to do. We're faithful to him by walking in the light with him. And he's faithful to us to cleanse us from all our sins. We were enemies. God reconciled us. We walk with Christ in the light of the Spirit's power and provision and strength. And we become like Christ day by day, renewed in the inward man. And the ultimate reality is we shall be saved by his life in us, through us, by him. That's the gospel of the kingdom of God and the gospel of Christ within the kingdom of God. If we can ever wrap our minds around the truth of this gospel, the total Gospel of the kingdom, gospel of Christ, one gospel, but now we have the total picture prior to the cross, prior to the ascension, and after the cross, and after the ascension, and the hope of everything in our future is based upon what the Messiah came to do and the kingdom he came to establish and our faithful, obedient walk with him in the kingdom. Well, my friend... That's the lesson for today. And I am so, so pleased that you are here with me. <laughs> uh, I see that the uh, I see that the video froze up. And as a result, <laughs> I see that the video uh, of the, the camera on my other, uh, deal froze up so you got to hear it you didn't get to see my animation but that's okay the words is life when it comes from Christ and God and so we've completed our study today and I only hope and I only pray that you will go through and research and study and see the passages in the light of the spirituality of the mind of Christ, 
not in the eyes of the physical nature of the human mind seeing everything physical. The kingdom of God is spiritual and the Messiah is spiritual and your life is supposed to be spiritual. So God bless you in your confirming the truth of these passages as I've interpreted their meaning in this study. If you can find the truth in that, then apply them. But like I said other times, if you can't find that what I'm saying is truth, then don't listen to me. You'll have to find someone else to listen to. So, I, I ask God to bless you in your continued study of his word and be of noble mind and search the scriptures to see if what I've said is true. God bless. I would like to express how grateful I am that you joined us for this podcast today. Like for you to subscribe and like us on Facebook. That would be a tremendous gesture of friendship to us. I'm Luska Green and we hope that you will have a blessed week.